Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 105 of the show today. This is a pre-recorded intro to the episode, which I don't normally do. I usually just go live with how it goes and, and cut it on the run. But I wanted to kind of give you a couple little tidbits before today's episode, just so you're prepped up for it. So first of all, I want to apologize. The audio is not perfect in here. Our guest was kind of on the run running through the city, doing some stuff. So he was in the studio, not near a perfect connection. So the audio in the background is pretty fine. It's just there's some glitching that that I couldn't get out of there that uh, isn't too disruptive, but I just wanted to give you a heads up that it's not perfect tonight, but the content is gold. I do want to tell you also on the content side, uh, we don't get into anything crazy, but we definitely get in really, really deep stuff. So if you're kind of not in a great headspace, I don't recommend listening to the episode because we get into some stuff that's really heavy uh, later on, like three quarters of the way through. This guest dealt with the passing of a friend that committed suicide that a lot of us know, actually, and this affected me just as a fan. So I can't even imagine what he went through as a friend of this person. But the, the reason why we went there is because it was a big inspiration behind his record that he just released. And so we had a reason to go there and it's really an incredible story to share that I wasn't prepared for, to be honest. I didn't know that that was going to be part of the interview and didn't know that this person was connected in these different ways that led us into these different stories here. But that is the magic to having guests on here as as I approached this band because they had a really interesting story of not releasing music for 17 years and coming back out of nowhere and and doing that. But the reason, the why behind it, that's where we really dove into this stuff. And that's how we got here is a lot of inspiration was driven from this. So lots in here about kind of ways to be, how to connect and network, how to work in the music business, in labels, in A&R and all sorts of things like that. We also talk about a lot of stories of obviously bands and getting on a label, getting off of labels, you know, working with these different people in the industry, some cool stories behind the scenes. And because uh, my guest, Renee Mata from Reach NYC, that's what this episode's based on, was in the studio. Uh, we kind of have a mix of people that did jump in on the interview itself. So if you hear some other voices, we have Nick in there, who's the guitarist from Reach NYC. We also have producer and lead guitarist from Volbeat, Rob Caggiano, uh, jump in there as well. So really, really interesting episode. Really not what I had planned, but I'm really happy it came out the way that it did. And so many stories that I don't know if they've been shared before at all, or they haven't been shared a lot from this perspective uh, in this light. So really great episode today for a lot of different people out there, but just wanted to give you these little tidbits to prep you up for it. All right. Thank you guys. Let's get into it. 
We're live. So welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 105 of the show tonight. And tonight I've got live from the studio, I've got Renee Mata. Yes. All right. <laughs> Renee Mata from the band Reach NYC. What's going on, buddy? What's good, man? Live from the studio. You're getting killed with traffic over there. You're on the move. You're like mixing after this session, man. Like you're you're in it, huh? I'm in it, man. I'm I'm actually at my buddy uh, Dan Corner Studio, Sonic Debris, um, buddy Cajano, Barca Vilby, awesome producer. Dan's awesome producer, mixer too. Just hanging out, um, checking out the song. They just uh, finishing up right now. Working on working on stuff tonight. After this, right? Yes. Is that like going to be on a next release, or that's part of this as well? Because I know it's we're coming out tomorrow. <laughs> Us being late, and we're gonna we're gonna upload it, and it's just gonna take re- the replace of the old version of the song. Of so oh, the record coming out tomorrow. Yeah. So. Oh no way. Be up for like one minute. You know what I'm saying? Like one yeah. day, and then it's gonna be the new version, like by Saturday or Monday. Got it. DSP is an uploading, and it's not like you you got a CD, and it's like you know a CD, and then like that's it over here. I'm like oh. I don't really want to change something. You could just upload it and it'll be there for everyone. Like, in two I know it's the same way with podcasting, but I'm also on uh distro kid and it's always like, there's such a lag to it. It's crazy. It hits all the stores and people start downloading it. It's always like a chase. I feel, I know your pain, my friend, for those of you out there that, that don't know reach NYC. It's, it's funny because like when you were in, like telling me Renee, where you were at and you were like, Oh yeah, this is one of the producers who does Breaking Benjamin. You're talking, this is the guitarist from Volbeat. I, when I was listening to your record, I like purposely tried to listen to it before I had read more of the story on it. Okay. But, uh, it's funny when you're talking about those producers, I was like, man, I'm getting like a, I'm getting like a, a Breaking Benjamin vibe. I'm getting like this, 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 like I'm a nineties kid, man. And I grew up and I, I ate up all of the, the hard rock, like, like this, all those names and that vibe from your record. I like, I feel that and the record feels like nostalgic for me, like right away, like modern, modern production, everything. But when I'm listening to your record, I'm like, damn, this is me when I was like 14, dude. Like I was loving it. (laughs) It's like listening to this stuff. When you were 14. I bet. I bet. (laughs) Hey man, it's still being enjoyed, man. It's obviously you got a fresh record here, but like I, I, uh, I love that that time period and that music means a lot to me and it's still a big influence on you know me what? doing what I think. So I think growing up in the nineties, I mean we, we didn't take music for granted. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's yeah, like it was part of our life. I yeah. mean for yeah. us to play music, for, forget about it. Like, get your head in there. I'm you know, sorry. For us to play music is like <laughs> we'll do that quite often. So he's like yeah. looking into like I don't know what he's looking he looked. He looked mischievous, or he looked like mysterious. I mean, mysterious, or something like that. I don't, well, I don't, I don't want to yeah. get. Into it. Anyways, first of all, just a little history. Nick, me and Nick have been friends since we're seventeen. That's a long time. On this, yeah. Place and, here in I mean, he, the guy was like in my wedding. Like he's one of my best friends. He joined the band. Basically, he played with everyone in the band, but under a different name, and it just yeah. felt right to have him come in the reach at this moment. You know what I'm saying? It was like a family thing. But anyways, yeah, growing up in the nineties was it was incredible because it's like for you to discover music is either you, you gotta you definitely gotta go to a record store, right? Yeah. Now is at your record store, your tower records or whatever wherever Slip you go. Just for you, right? Slip just yeah. for me. And basically like 
like research, like either you're going to buy the, your record or CD by the look of the record, right? Yep. Because they didn't have anywhere to like listen oh, to definitely. it. I mean, they came up right later on with like listening stations. Yeah, yeah, those you know? listening stations oh, in the shops. Yeah, those yeah. were sick, dude. Yeah. You can go on Spotify and listen to a song, and be like, yeah. "Oh, I like this." Shit. So basically, yeah. look at like the, there's so many times I've bought like this, like the record or CD just because of the artwork. I'm like, fuck it, let me give it a shot. Yeah. Or yeah. you know, I did my research and you know, spent like fifty dollars on like NME and like you know. Yep. All these uh, fanzines and magazines trying to, to figure that. out what they want to buy. Yeah, I used to read a lot of like CMJ stuff or certain New York magazines. There were certain like people that did reviews that I was like, "Oh, this is great!" I remember, you know, I mean, it's, it's like and, and also certain records, also like thing. labels, like you know, I knew yep. if, yep. if Sub Pop put out, you know, Nirvana Bleach, I was going to definitely, you know, love like you know yep. Mud Honey and everything else that came out on Caroline, you know? yeah. And like, if I knew like, I know if Caroline oh, put yeah. out, they did Smashing Pumpkins. I remember getting that yep. EP. I just you, knew you completely turned me on to Smashing mostly Pumpkins like all this stuff up. on like certain labels. It was like like Revelation Records, right? Especially from coming from New York, like all the bands that came out like in mid nineties, like Orange Nine Millimeter and Quicksand, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like I knew like it was definitely a scene you were bought into when you bought, bought a Revelation record. Yeah. Or, or like you know like Discord. I knew like yep. if I got like Fugazi, I was gonna lo- love the right spring and everything else. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. So for for people that don't know, I know you got like we'll we'll talk into your record too. But like for people that don't know, Reach NYC. Like first of all, your story is really interesting in general. I thought the thing that Tim had sent me that had like a read up on some of the stuff. Like it's really like for for my show here, it's about a lot of different things. Like I'm a, I'm an audio engineer musician myself. So I always cater towards talking to guys like you. And I, I love these conversations, but we talk to creatives in general, but I always look for like a, a story that people that might not be straight up a musician or audio person themselves that latch onto. And it's like the way for those out that don't know out there, don't know their record coming out. This is the first release for this band. They've been going off and doing their things like throughout time, but this is the first release from this band in 17 years. And it's just uh, an interesting story for where you put that to. If, for people who don't know Reach, what are you guys about? And like, how did this kind of happen? It's such a crazy story, man. I'm going to tell you the whole deal right now. How's that? I so love it. We, um, I mean, we're doing this right now. We're not trying to conquer the world. We're, you know, we know, you know, we're not like these young kids trying to conquer the world. You know, we're definitely guys who love music and we're very grateful with it. We're playing music right now. Grateful to have the deal we got. Um, but basically, it started in 1996 for me, at least. You know, I was the third singer in Reach. They had before they had me. They had a uh, they had this guy Israel. He was a singer in the Bad Brains, and then they had this other guy Jason. Sick. Who I forgot his name. In 50 million other interviews. Basically, I was uh, on my honeymoon, literally, <laughs> and checking my. You know, back in the 90s, you checking messages, right? You call up your your answering machine, right? Yeah, in your your code, and it'll play all your messages, and it just you know there'll be like fifty messages. You got to listen to every one of them, right? Yep, yep. I got a message from uh, my buddy Richard Brianna, right? And Richie started Reach. He was the uh, the bass player in, in this uh, big hardcore band in New York City called Sick of It All. Hmm. Okay. He was the bass player in the band, and he called up and left a message You're like, "Hey, man, uh, we just got rid of our singer, and it'd be awesome if you join the band." 
And I, was, I loved their music already. And I was just like, I, as soon as I got, got home, I'm like, I'm in. So basically, you know, we started playing. You know, we had a, we changed the lineup to where it was now. And we got up. So where was the, the lineup people, most people knew about it was, it was me on vocals, Danny Martinez on bass, Dante Renzi on drums, and Richie on guitar, right? And, you know, at the sure. time, like, you know, I guess, like, the time from, like, 96 to, like, that, that lineup probably came in, like, 98, 99, right? And then we, we did a demo with, uh, actually, Rob from Bullbeat and Scars right. Eddie Wall, right? We did a demo, and what happened was, uh, around that time, you remember that band Helmet? No. Helmet? You don't remember Helmet from the 90s? Mm-mm. Helmet, well, I'll check them out now, though. Check out Unsung. Yeah, basically, okay. it influenced everything. Every, every new metal band, every, every hard band. rock band has definitely got some helmet influence. Like Damn. that go thing, yep. that drop D, like the drop tuning. I mean, totally came from you know where Lincoln Park and everything else from the nineties. It was heavily influenced by that. Yeah, all those bands were influenced by by helmet, melodic vocals kind of thing. Yeah, so then, so helmet. Helmet broke up. It was like, I think we were, it was like 2000, right? 2001. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Helmet broke up and Paige was playing for, uh, playing guitar for David Bowie. And okay. Paige, like known as like this, um, besides being in this heavy band helmet, he was known, just amazing guitar player. He's known for being like, like this clap, like, like jazz trained, like sick musician, right? Okay. So, uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Allison, uh, this girl Allison Limmer was dating him, right? And we were finishing our, our demo and, um, Allison's like, I'm like, Oh, you know, I was playing page some of your stuff and he liked it. And I'm like, Hey, that's what he wants to play in our demo. And I'm like thinking like, this is never going to happen. Like literally like how it broke up. I mean, we would just see him at these humongous places. They were just like a big band back then. Right. Yeah. Like literally saw the last time I saw helmet was like Roseland, you know, Secret of all opened up for them and it was like sold out at Roseland. It's humongous. Theater in uh in, in in the NYC, and yeah. um I don't know somehow she made it happen. So uh, so we had Paige after like not putting anything out. Paige sang and played guitar on this like demo from this young band, right? So okay. we had a lot of buzz, and we had a lot of labels looking at us, and we had uh you know, we we were like somehow like all these California bands at the time like System of a Down, Ultra Spank, all these you know. Papa Roach, all the, we just Static X, we'd, we'd always be like the New York band that would be asked, you know, have these bands open up for us or we open up for them. Just okay. We, always go, and we, we, we had a, a great following. We'd always play CBGBs, right? And we'd, we'd have two nights a month and I'd book it and I'd, you know, make it a whole, you know, night and just pick all these awesome bands that we, you know, we fit with and start our whole scene. And basically that's how it started. So, we started getting played on, on the station at the time called uh, 92.3 K-Rock. Okay. And Matt Pinfield from uh, 120 Minutes was the DJ. And he just started playing us all the time. The song called Six Years, right? And, and actually, the version that we got signed off of that was never released is going to be on our EP tomorrow. No Same way. Play guitar. So it, it's called Six Years and definitely started off for us. It, you know, Rob, Rob from Volbeat and Eddie Wall, they, they produced and mixed the demo. And we pretty much had... Stuck with them forever, still now. That's uh, crazy. So basically, it was like, 
all these band, all these labels want to, you know, we were doing all these showcases, but we just were not getting a deal. You know what I'm saying? We'd be like, we'd have like an amazing show at Irving Plaza, and then they'd fly us out to like LA, and we'd, we'd showcase at like some horrible sounding place, and we just bomb. We just had the worst oh. ever, like for a year, right? And so um, we were actually being managed by this guy Jordan Felstein, and he he managed Maroon Five and a bunch of big bands. Passed Sick. away a few years ago, but he was like. He's a humongous manager, and also this uh, this guy Evan Bogart. And Evan Evan discovered he's the guy who discovered Eminem, right? He's the one that brought you know that that tape, that mixed that demo tape to you know Jimmy Iovine. Also, his dad is a legendary you know record record guy, Neil Bogart. So Evan Bogart's Neil's son, and you know Neil Bogart was uh, the owner of Casablanca Records, and you know signed Kiss and Donna Summers and all these humongous artists in the seventies. So yeah. Evan, like Duffy and, and Jordan both came from like, you know, this LA pedigree of like music royalty stuff type vibe. But they were totally. our right? And at the time we <laughs> our lawyer was his name was Ian Mondo. Ian Mondo was probably one of the biggest managers. He manages Jack White and Foster People and just a bunch of huge bands. But we finally I think it like early two thousand two, Dante left the band, right? We just okay. were like it was just like a horrifying experience of like playing all these showcases and just getting turned on by every lip. You know what? Finding out like you know, later on in life, like most of my friends' bands that are humongous got turned on by every label too. Yeah. So we're in Duff and Good Company. So I, so basically, um, Dante left the band and then probably like a month and a half later, we got a record deal with Lava Records and we had a new drummer. And it just, you know what? But it never, I'll be honest with you, it just never felt right without Dante. You know what I'm saying? Dante. Hmm. I, th- I think coming back now and, and doing what we're doing right now was is definitely like, you know, it, it was like redemption, uh, being together with the, the right guys. You know what I'm saying? So basically, fast forward, we're here, we toured all our friends, Papa Roach, The Use, all these tours. We put out a record on Lava Records. We eventually get, we're getting dropped like 2003, 2004, and we broke up right before uh, we got a record deal. Like I said, when I was being managed by this guy, Jordan Feldstein. Yeah. You imagine this band called Karis Flowers, right? Okay. Uh, Karis Flowers, they were in the same situation as us. They couldn't get a record deal either. They, they were on a, on this, uh, they were on reprise and got dropped. Okay. And they came out, it was in the middle of new metal, right? And they came out like, sounded like Stevie Wonder, Jamaraquai stuff, right? So my sister at the time was working at Columbia Records and she was like, hey, you know, all these young bands, you know, you know, you, you plugged into all this, all this music. Um, they're looking for a scout. Why don't you go in for a job? So I go in and I meet with these guys from uh, they're they're starting a new label called Octone Records, right? Okay. So back back then, you know, for me to make a mixed CD, I literally had to buy like I had a standalone uh, CD recorder where like you put like a blank CD in one side, and the other side is like the, this, the whatever song you had to you wanted to record. Nice. And literally, like you, it was like real time recording. You have to wait for every song to be done. Take that out. Make sure it doesn't like you know finish the CD, and then put the other one in, and then re- start recording. It was a, it was definitely a process. It, it was definitely a commitment to make a, a, a mixed CD. Yeah. So this mixed CD, of course, I don't have a record deal, so I'm gonna put my band first, right? Okay. So the first two songs are my band, right? And I, I wrote this nice little blurb on it. Right? I wrote it all up. I'm, I had my wife type it on a piece of paper so I can bring it in. And like Renee Mod is like unsigned mix, right? And of yeah. course, first man is like gets played on K Rock, 
influencers like Helmet Chains Addiction. <laughs> I gotta say something. Shut your mouth. I'm doing a story. Shut up. This is why I do this guy, He's got the dirt. He's got the dirt. No dirt. He's just unbelievable how he connects things and the, you know to so many different people. I just you know you gotta say that. So so basically. The second band is, is called the band I really like called Cowers Flowers, right? Sure. That was being managed by my manager at the time, Jordan Felsey, right? So they flip out over this band, Cowers Flowers. They have this song called Sunday Morning, right? Kind of sounds like Jamiroquai, Stevie Wonder, like that vibe, like soul, like by played by like, you know, like four skinny white boys from like Beverly Hills. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So they go in, they get a record deal, right? I'm, I'll, I set up a showcase and actually go fly out to Viper Room, watch them play, and they, they, they get a record deal, right? So I, at the time, I had no idea what I was doing. And usually when you get a band signed, you usually get a point on a record, right? Okay. I basically got paid 1200 bucks, and I got this band signed, right? And you usually get a point, but, you know, I was a young kid. I had no idea what I was doing. And I didn't get a point. I took 1200 bucks though, and, and I bought in-ear monitors, right? Sick. And my showcase was that showcase I got signed on. Who my new in-ear monitors that I used that, that showcase. So at least, you know, that's what I tell myself not to feel so bad. So anyways, this hey. band records a record, right? So we're, we're getting dropped now. That, this record is popping on radio. B4, right? Everywhere I hear is, This love has taken its toll. So the band was called Cast Flowers. They want to start a new, they change the name to Maroon 5, right? Uh, and their their first record came out, and, you know, songs of chain. Yeah, the first band I ever got a record deal. So here oh I am. God. <laughs> so here first band you get a record deal for is Maroon Five. Here I am, two thousand three, <laughs> getting dropped. My oh wife my is God, dude. Getting dropped by my label. My wife is pregnant. We're on the road. I remember the last tour we had was like, "Yeah, why don't you guys open up for um, your label mates, Smile Empty Soul?" But we're not going to give you tour support. And we were just like, you know what? We're gonna go on this tour, and we're we're gonna go off. You know what I'm saying? And okay. That was our last tour, and it, that was it. You know what I'm saying? We knew we were going out with a bang, and we we're going out swinging. And it was it was crazy because you know we started getting ad all, ads to all these radio stations and getting like invited back, you know, to our uh, for the, you know the Christmas shows and all this stuff. And they would call us and be like, I remember one station literally uh, had us playing on their little Christmas show with Stain, right? And the, the, the okay. <laughs> Program director literally called us up. He's like, "Your label must hate you." He told us to take you off the show and put on "Smile Empty Soul." <laughs> oh my god! This is like, like ten times we heard this. We're like, "Wow, man, these guys must hate us." Why? Literally gotten. I mean, I, I've never called this part a story, but I don't care. But they like, like ten <laughs> at least. Like when we're out there playing, like first of all, the day our record came out, I knew we were in trouble because I, I walk into Best Buy and you see all your friends. That you just been on tour with, like six ninety nine. Yeah, that, yeah. My record, it was like thirteen ninety nine, buried in the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I, I go like this. I'm like, we're done for it. These motherfuckers are gonna <laughs> chop our heads off. Do you not see us on six ninety nine rack? I was like, we're done. Oh and, my god. <laughs> we'll put it this way. At the time, uh, we were going to radio and like getting getting ass right. I remember whoever the radio guy was it goes like. I remember it clearly because she was friends with my sister, this radio guy. And he, he calls me up. He goes, Hey, if you ever tell anyone, I'm going to deny this. 
when I go by, he's like, listen, just so you know, whoever's playing you right now is playing, playing you because they like you. I did not get the bullets to shoot. Exact words. I go, I guess that wow. you didn't get the payola to pay everyone to keep us in place. Yeah. Wow. So that was, you know, we were goners and that's how the band ended, right? Okay. And um, so basically I, w- I went on my own, you know, and you know what? We ended up playing like, um, like I started playing with Nick and re- me, Ricky and Danny started playing. And then we got Dante in, and we played a lot, a lot over the years in different kinds of variations of the band, but we never, you know, called ourselves Reach. We just kept on changing our names and. Yeah. Just different stuff that you were up to. Finding our way. And then I, I was like, really, I was working in music at the time. So, um, right. right after, you kept, you kept be- doing the record label stuff after that. So, so basically when I got home, like from tour, one of my close friends is Matt Pinfield. And I, I go, bro, Jody's pregnant. I'm fucked. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to get you jobs. <laughs> First job is doing A&R at Columbia records. Which yeah. Is one of the biggest labels there is. And it was pretty awesome. Hell yeah. I worked there for two years and then um, I just kept on getting jobs and jobs, you know, doing A&R and, you know, I eventually got into Razor and Tie. actually did A&R consulting for, for Lava, Mascot. Eventually I came, I, I did A&R for Octone, which was okay. like awesome and, you know, was, that's the first place I, I, I got a band signed, you know what I'm saying? So it was kind of yeah. cool. I got Maroon 5 signed. Um, the, my last hit was, uh, I got this band called Lovely the Band. You know, okay. Are, yeah, I've heard know, of that. You know that song, Broken? You know Broken, trust me. I bro. like that you broken, broken like me. That oh my god, yeah, okay. It was played everywhere? Yeah. I got them their record deal. Wow, dude. Um, and then, you know, I got, you know, Dreamers? No. Band Dreamers? I, I know, like, everything by, like, the song, and then I, I know the records by, like, the songs on the record. I'm really okay. bad. So anyway, it's this band called Dreamers. I got them a record deal. Ocean Park standoff. Bass drum of death. Uh, you know the Strokes? Yep. Well, the guitarist Albert Hammond Jr., I got I signed his him to uh, Red Bull Records. Um, awesome. I've, got, I've made a career of getting a, of discovering a lot of talent. And But my main job right now, I work at a company called Advanced Alternative uh, Media. And we manage like all the biggest producers and uh, mixers and writers in the world. So like we have... Everyone from like Serbin, Kenya, who's like, you know, won record a year again this year for like probably the 20th time. I mean, I remember one year he won a uh, record and song of the year, which was like a uh, Taylor Swift album that he mixed and then Uptown Funky mix too. Wow. But, uh, I, I'm, you know, myself, I manage all the rock guys. I got this amazing producer, mixer Jay Baumgarner, who uh, did the most in mixing on our record. Dan Corner, who's at our studio right now, we did like Paramore, Breaking Benjamin. Finish this. Andy Wallace, obviously a legend. You know, he's mixed everything from like hybrid theory to like Nirvana, Nevermind. Yeah. I mean, this guy, Andy Wallace, like living legend without a doubt in, in rock music. Um, was- a, lot of, a lot of those bands from the 90s that would, a big song is mostly like his mixes. So, what goes into the differences between those, Renee? Because I know that. I've heard of like producer managers, but like, what's the differences you're seeing between those two roles that you've done day to day? I'm pretty good at connecting stuff. He's, you know he's an incredible liaison. Incredible. I know how to connect stuff. I know how to like get things done. Me being coming from the artist part and not going to college is definitely like, you know, I'm coming from, 
I'm, coming, I'm wearing my heart on the sleeve. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who remembers people's names? Like, I don't even know. Every time I'm like, uh, what's that guy's name? He just, forget it. He just rattles it off all the time. Also, you know, I've had, you know, I'm, with that. I'm, you know, a lot of my friends are mostly, you know, everyone's in bands and stuff. That's what I do. So, you so know, just an amazing connector. And then people probably just love like the zero bullshit of just like, this is I'm who I am up. and this is what I'm up to. I'm you know? New York and I don't, I don't give two fucks who yeah. you are. So like, yeah. you're, yeah. you're going to treat me. I'm going to treat you how I want to be treated. If yep. you don't treat me that way, I'm going to be a complete asshole. You know what I'm saying? He's a great soul. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna give, I'm gonna give you respect. I don't care if you're a garbage man or a, a fucking yeah. sold 20 million records. I'm gonna treat you the same. 100. percent I love that. That's why I stay in. New, I'm I'm in Maine, but just that New England vibe really does kind of have the same attitude too. Where it's like yeah. one, of my, one of my biggest uh, producer mixers is from that area, Josh Wilbur, and he's done like you know everything all the last four Lamb of God records. Yep. Uh, the last record was done. Well, not all of it, but they did the pre-production or something here in Portland. So I had Kevin Billingsley was one of the producers working on that record on this same podcast. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Josh produced it and mixed it. Yeah, he's, he's not. There's nasty producers, dude. All of yeah. them that you mentioned, but. Yeah, so Josh uh, actually is doing a Trivium record right now. Then awesome. he does. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, cool. he's done the last three. He mixed up. Uh, he makes the last two corn records that sound insanely amazing. Super, um, super multifaceted producer. He did uh, the Mark Morton record too. Yeah. Which I got uh, my buddy Chester and Jacoby to sing on. Yep. Very and cool. Mark was on our second single. He plays uh, the lead on it. On, yeah, on, on this EP that's coming out tomorrow. It's That song's out right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That one and Jacoby split one. Yep. Yeah. It's awesome. Crazy man. So you're just a big connector. You've yeah. just been around forever, and you you're just a connector, and you just straight up tell people what's up, I and mean, you treat them. You treat them. Like, you know, like I mean, I connect people, but I also know, know how to develop and you know find talent too. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a producer or you're a band, but I, I've literally gotten like at least like eight different things signed in COVID without showcasing or anything. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I guess he's constantly in tons of scenes and like connects you know so many different musicians and definitely recognizes talent and a great song yeah yeah it's all all the song man all right yeah so what what i guess like what are some of the things like if people want to a lot of my audience are people that are like going after the types of things that they want to do what would you give as advice for people that want to do some of the things that you work on well some of those like roles that you've worked in you know what you just gotta definitely like you know be committed. You know what I'm saying? To like you know, be committed to going all the way with it. You know, there's no like putting your foot in. You, you got to go for it all the way. Yeah. And then you got to be honest with yourself. And be like, what am I lacking? Why am I not getting these gigs? Or what's wrong with my song? You have to be literally like you know, and that takes a lot of like you know, soul searching and, and you know, being fearless is like, you know, sometimes I would look at my song and I'd be like. This is not good enough. We need to rewrite this fucking chorus. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. And you also need to be able to do that if, you know, on my side, tell band like that without you know, hurting their feelings. Right. You know? And I've, I've told so, too many, like, you know what? I can't go play this for people right now. It's not good enough. And you don't want me to, but you're going to have well, one look. They're going to be like, oh, I heard that already. Yeah. If you, with, if you come back with an amazing song a year later, oh, I heard that already. They're going to only hear the first, only remember the first thing they heard. 
Right. Wow. What drove the, I know you said like, you know, you guys have been kind of playing on and off together. You've been playing in different groups and something like what, what made you come back to make this group come back after 17 years, Renee? You want me to give you an ask? Yeah. Yeah, man. We're honest on this show. Almost four years ago, one of my best friends passed away, committed suicide. And I was in a really bad depression. You know, he was one of my best friends. And I, I was really, was, I was hurting so much in a depression. My guy, my buddy, um, Marcos Curiel, who was, uh, you know, one of my best friends, he's a guitarist in POD. Yeah. He's like, we'll get you guys together and just open a few shows up for us. You know, he just wanted me to like have fun and start, you know, just try to, you know, look forward yeah. to something, right? Get out and do, yeah. And, you know, the guy who passed away, you know, one of my best friends, um, his name is Chester Bennington, obviously. He was in the, one of the biggest bands in the world, you know, a singer in Lincoln Park. 100%. You know, to me, it wasn't the singer in Lincoln Park. It was my buddy Chester. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I talk to a guy every day. And next thing you know, like, uh, next thing you know, I'm in an office at Sony. I get a call from my buddy Rob, and, and he tells me that he's, he's dead. It was just like that. I'm like, I literally was supposed to be hanging out with him the following week. Oh, dude. So I, I was the being. A, I mean, I was I was in such a depression. I mean, my friends, everyone was like really worried about me. Yeah, it was it was tough, man. And they wanted me to you know do a few shows. And you know what? It was getting back together with Dante, Nick, Richie, and Annie. It was like I hate to say it when you're this age. You're like it was like bowling night on Sunday night, like Sunday night rehearsal. We're going bowling. <laughs> and like you're there, so you're like known forever, your whole life, right? And we're yeah. laughing. We have the stupidest inside jokes. No one understands but us. We're you probably still our- remember them, right? You still yeah. remember the same stupid same inside joke about some gig night or whatever, right? Same stupid jokes since the nineties. Yeah, and we're laughing our asses off. And it's just like, you know, just being able to connect with your brothers like that way. It just put us, you know, it just lifted my spirits so much. And then Good. when we did the show, it was just, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't because we wanted a record deal or we need to book an agent or we need a manager or it wasn't like trying to further, you know, we weren't trying to conquer the world. We were just having, let's go play our music that we love with the people we love. You did this for you, so, man. So it was really honest when you saw us play it and it was like, definitely, we went up there for one thing, and that's to cut heads. And we fucking went up there swinging. And it was, it was just so much fun. And you know what? Chester was one of my, you know, one of those guys that always was like, you should play music. Oh, you should do this. Always, I mean, one of the last, you know, times we were together, we had this humongous dinner, right? Yeah. In May, right? Before he passed away. And it was like 2017. And that movie, uh, uh, what was that? That movie Aliens Covenant came out. You remember that movie? A- like just Aliens? Aliens Covenant. It was like oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie, right? Yeah. So around that time, so we, my friend uh, owns this restaurant, Ilio, and he hooked up. Uh, I'm like, hey, and me and my boys, all the boys coming when I a big ass, you know, fun dinner, you know. So they have like this awesome back room, right? And we all meet there, and uh, we're having the best day anyway. So Marcus is staying over my house. Um, he was filling in for my uh, my guitarist. 
at the time, and we were open, we were playing a show with Good Charlotte like in three days. So Marco was okay. on the learning like ten songs so he can play with us, open up for for uh, Good Charlotte, right? Awesome. Where Rob's in town because Rob's band Volbeat is in town because he's opening up like the Metallica tour, right? So, so awesome. Rob, Rob comes to dinner, him and his bass player. Um, and then Lincoln Park and Papa Roach are both in town because their records are coming out that, you know, in a few weeks. So they're promoting it, right? Doing the okay. round. Doing all, so I remember Chester came in and was just like, hey, picking me up. I picked him up like, I guess around one o'clock, right? We went to my office and then we went to, uh, we had this plan and we were going to go to D'Angelo with guitars. And just pick out a bunch of guitars. That they were they were going to hook us up with a bunch of guitars. So basically, the day was me, Marcos, Chester, and his bodyguard Ed. We went to D'Angelo and guitars. Probably walked out with like ten guitars, right? Okay. Faces. <laughs> just like having the greatest day ever. Then we go to meet everyone for dinner, and it's like, you know, Jacoby and Tony and Tobin from Papa Roach, our buddy Bagel, our buddy Chris Enriquez, Nick, Marcos from POD, Chester. What a room, man. What a room for dinner, all you guys. Huh? He's, he's a, Matt Sorum is a legendary, one of my close friends and le- legendary drummer for Guns N' Roses and Cult and Velvet yeah. Revolver, obviously. Damn. Yeah. And we just had this greatest time, right? And what's even funnier is that we all get there and we're just like, we got this humongous table. And then next to us, we see all these actors that we, we all knew, like Michael Fassbender, right? Billy Kudra. Okay. Like Zoe Kravitz, uh, Sam uh, Rockwell. What's that funny guy? Um, he was not movie Keanu. Keaton, whatever. Amazing uh, comedian guy. Um, the guy from East Island Down. I mean, just all these actors like to the left of us, right? This is at your buddy's restaurant? At my buddy's restaurant. So it's like all the yeah. rock on one side, all the actors right next to us, right? <laughs> yeah. We're like, looking like, damn, all these actors. And, you know, I, I used to work at this, like, secret club where I did the door, right? And yeah. I just, when I worked there, I didn't have a job. I, in between, um, you know, it was, you know, really humbling. I had to work nights at, at, a, at a club. But, you know, I made the best of it. It was like, I was lucky enough that this club was, like, every actor, band, like, you know. And it, it, I met a lot of different types of, you know. Most of my friends were from, like, you know, these hard rock bands. But working yeah. there, you know, I became friends with, like, you know, Guys at the Strokes, and and I met my buddy, one of my close friends, Patrick Carney. I didn't even know he was in a band. And then the next thing you know, I'm like, oh, I'm seeing his video over here. But he's in the drummer in the Black Keys. Actually, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Patrick! No shit, man. So he, he's my close friend. I, first year I was hanging out, and I had no idea he was in the band. I'm like, my buddy Patrick. Yeah. Well, we literally saw his band from like small places to arenas. You know what I'm saying? Gone. You know, Gone. Like, Whoa, that is incredible. Yeah. It's just like, you know, seeing them from like, you know, you know, like just like a small venue to like, you know, Madison Square Garden within a year. It was That's crazy. Firing and amazing. So like I get and I, then I met a lot of actors like Billy Cudrup and Sam Rockwell I met there. So when I turned around I saw them, I went over there, they gave me hugs and Chester came over and then I, they didn't have a seat for Zoe Travis, so Chester went and grabbed a chair, brought a chair for her. <laughs> It was just a funny night. And then those guys, of course, all my friends wanted to embarrass me. So they kept on saying my name, Renee, and toasting me. But I'd see Billy and all of them like laughing at me. I'm like, my fucking asshole friends. Fuck, <laughs> fucking with me all night long, right? 
Yeah. It was just like an incredible day, an incredible night. And I was like, um, yeah, that was the last time I saw Chester. But, but at that dinner, you know, he, he talked about, you know, this concert. And first of all, the guy paid for the whole fucking whole dinner, 2000 plus $2,000 like tab, right? Holy shit. Like I'm paying for this because I want to bring this up to all you guys. I want to, I want to do like his, his uh, ideal was that he wanted to do a humongous, like, you know, humongous tour the following year. He yeah. Wanted, he wanted, um, Lincoln Park, Corn, Papa Roach, Limp Biscuit, De- uh, Deftones, POD, and he's like, I want to reach 454, like that's our name, like at the time. Yeah. Reach, I want to reach to open up. And I'm like, oh God, here he goes again. Trying to get oh. me to scream and stuff. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome lineup to me, man. So, so yeah, um, it, was, it was an incredible night and we, we just had so much fun. So yeah, so to say like I was... Uh, when I did find out the news, you know, he had passed. I, I was in a depression for, for years. I'm it, sorry, man. I'm so still, sorry. And I'm like, like, it, it's still, you know, some days are better than others, but like, yeah, it, I don't think I'll ever get, you know, get over it. And, you know, you know what? I, I lost a lot of, you know, that year was definitely a lot of year. I lost 2017 because buddy George just passed away. And, and I had another, you know, friend who committed suicide a few years before that. Got Chris that I never really dealt with, and then after Chester passed away in July, the guy who managed me, Jordan Feldstein, who we're talking about in Magic Room Five, he yeah. passed away in December. Yeah, year. man, Jeez. it was just insane. Just a bad year. Yeah, it was bad. So by the time we got to get back together and and played, it just felt right. And then, um, you know what, uh, our, our buddy Don Robertson over at the guy who signed Lovely the Band got us this little deal with uh, the Orchard, you know, for a, a menial amount of money to put out a few, you know, EP, and that's how, that's how it came about. And I felt awesome. like, you know, we're, we're doing it, you know, everything's a win, and we're not expecting to be humongous rock stars, anything like that. We're not even doing it for that. We're doing it to put our music in. I mean, just spend time with our, you know, like, we're brothers, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it was, you know, definitely coming out of love and you know, and we got a few, a few of our friends, you know, who wanted to join in with us, like Jacoby and Mark Morton. Mark's a good buddy. Uh, you know, I was telling you I managed Josh Wil- Wilbur, and Mark was doing a, a record, uh, you know, I guess in 2017. He was doing a record, a solo record, and I, I'd gotten Chester and i gotten uh, Jacoby to sing on. Very cool. Yeah, so yeah, um, it, it was definitely without a doubt, you know, that buddy Ross was. He's right here. So yeah, so Nick, my guitarist, and is my buddy and producer, and one of my best friends in the world, Rob Caggiano. What's up, man? Hey, what's good, man? He's a amazing producer. Obviously, one of the sickest, sickest guitarists I know. Thank you. Um, and one of my best friends in the world. And you know, like like what I was telling you, what happened was, you know, when I did find out, you know, what happened, um, Rob's actually the one who told me. I was I was on a meeting in RCA. And I'm in this meeting and I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, what is going on? I mean, I literally missed call from Sonny, Jacoby. Like everyone I knew, I'm like, did something happen to my parents or something? Like everyone Shit. was calling me. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and then I was, uh, you know, meeting with this A&R guy, Dan Chertoff. I go, hey, I, I got to, you know, Rob's calling me, right? And I go, I, I got to take this phone call. Like, uh, I, I think something happened. Yeah, you see that many of people that you know, that many missed calls, you're like, shit. And 
I, I, I answered the phone. He's like, and I remember exactly what I was, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I go, I don't know what the fuck is going on. You call me. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is like, you, Rob. You're saying yeah. this. Yeah. You're like, yo, what's going on? And he's like, I don't know what's going like, on. I don't know what the fuck. Holy shit. He goes, dude, did you watch the news? And I heard in his voice, I'm like, something fucking bad happened. He's like, you didn't see the news? I go, no. It's everywhere. I go, what happened? He goes, Chester committed suicide. And I was just like, what the fuck? I mean, it, you know, this guy's one of my best friends. And then, you know what? For a few years, you know, we didn't talk, you know, and the last few years of his life, we were like brothers again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I I had plans for next week. He was staying at my house. We we're gonna surprise my my daughter's you know school rock class. You know we we're gonna barbecue at City Field. He literally gave me an unlimited guest list to City Field. I, I don't care. I'm invite your mom, everybody. You have unlimited guests. I go. You know I have a lot of friends and family. He's like unlimited. I go. Okay. <laughs> You sure about that? Because unlimited, really, it's going to be a lot of people. Um, Damn, man! I, and, like I, I just as a fan, literally only as a fan, that day hit me. I cannot imagine actually being like also a close friend. Let dude, just as a fan, as a musician, as a producer, that was like a big strike to see that day happen. I cannot I mean, imagine being a close friend. My, my, I can't imagine my, you guys. The Sony office, the new Sony office, is like in like Madison Square, like by Madison Park. My yeah. office is on twenty. Was at the time was on Twenty Second Street. So all I had to do was really walk across the park in New York City and back to my office. It was the longest walk of my life. I was Dude. calling Esther's phone and I was like, "Motherfucker, pick up your fucking phone! Pick up!" Your-. It just kept on ringing. I kept on calling. I'm like, "Motherfucker, this is not fucking funny." And you know, by the time I knew it was true, uh, I got to my office and all the girls I work I work with were outside crying, and they were waiting for me. So uh, I got in, and then Robert DeLeo and Matt Storm called me, and they're like, kid, you know anything? I'm like, I don't know anything. He was supposed to stay in my house, and um, they're like, you got to hang in there, man. We got to figure out what the fuck is going on. It's just... Holy shit, you know, my, my wife was away at the time. I was by myself at my house with my dog, basically. And I totally forgot my, my friend Dave Buckner, who was the drummer Pop Roll, came and his wife were coming in to stay with me for a few days. And they were like flying in a day, which was the best part because I didn't have to be alone that night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hundred percent, dude. You know, my, they came. My literally, my sister. Uh, my sister, you know, worked a few blocks away at Facebook. She just, I couldn't drive. She just came over and took off of work and just drove me home I'm in my car. Yeah, and my parents met me in my house, and then, uh, you know, Dave and uh, Stacy came home. Came, you know, from JFK to my house, and my my wife, kid, you know. Basically, you know, I mean, Chester, the last time, you know, he stayed at my house like just that December, you know what I'm saying? My, my, he's like family to me. Yeah. And at the time, my, my in laws were, um, my in laws were like moving to Florida and just sold their house. And Chester had a nice hotel room in the city. And he's like, hey, man, can I just stay over? I'm like, yeah, of course you can. I was like, but uh, <laughs> my in laws are here. So you're gonna have to sleep in my daughter's room in the in the, in the princess room, and my daughter, you know, we put a cot in, in my room for her. Yeah, stayed in this purple princess room. For oh, <laughs> he's like, I don't mind, man, bro. I'd rather just. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, oh my god, the biggest difference now. You know, I was like I said, we got back together, and 
POD asked us to, you know, open open the you know these shows up and just trying to pure my spirits. It really, you know, this really did start again all over again because of like that brotherhood and that love, you know, and like you know just getting together would as much like you know what me and my guys in my band we could fight like fucking cats and dogs, curse each other out, do everything right. You have to, man. You have to do it right. I love being a band because, like, my drummer, my drummer, like, you know, torches him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, forget about it. So, anyways. So, oh, God. So, he's part of, like, our family. And it's just like, you know, we can do all that, but, like, it's like we love each other so much. It doesn't matter. We're going to be friends in two seconds anyway. Yeah. That kind of friendship, you know? And, um, yeah, that's, it, it's just, we're just happy to have like all our friends supporting us. You know, when we had so many people like, you know, come out in the first song and give us amazing quotes like Rob and my buddy, you know, obviously all, all you know, monkey and head from corn and my buddy Joey from the Pixie. It was, it's just a lot of love. And, you know, we're, like I said, we're not trying to be rock stars here. We're just, you know, having a good time and, you know, it's really doing it for the love of the music. Dude, that's like the most earnest, it's the most earnest way that you just, put a record out like that's like we we've talked throughout the podcast here obviously we've been hanging out for a little bit here and it's like you talked about like the way that you work through the industry has been like you are straight up with people you're not saying anything in like any way that's like a the wrong way to say it but like you're you're straight up about things and then like you're connecting with people and then it's like the reason this record came out the reason you're connecting back it's like because you've been playing with these dudes for 20 years and you wanted to make a record because you felt something and you wanted to portray it. It's like, what else do you want to ask for from that, man? A bunch of people making music for 20 years and then being earnest about what they're writing. Like that's what this industry is about. Yeah. You know what? And the, the first song that came out after, you know, like 17 years is a, you know, a track that, you know, my buddy Jacoby's on and we just had all these awesome, you know, we had like Chris Trainer and, and this producer SJ working on our buddy Jay Bangarter mixed it and our buddy Howie mastered it and we didn't have any money so they all did it for free. <laughs> it's just like, awesome, man. We just put but it's just like and then we, we you know we got a write up and revolver, you know, right you know, it was just it was just it's amazing this, you know, come back after seventeen years getting a lot of love from especially from our peers. I mean we're not, you know, we're not here like I said to try to conquer the world. Whatever happens, happens. You know, if we you know we got asked to play a few shows like well, you know, would have been in, in uh, incineration festival in, in September, we're gonna be playing that, and yeah, you know what? It's all a plus right now. It's all a gift. We're all, you know we're just grateful. Hey man, if you get up to uh, Portland or even Boston, I'll be out. We'll, we'll be up there. I'll be out there then. Opening up for his band, hopefully. Yeah, we'll be. I'll, I'll be out, man. I'll be out. Yeah, I. I uh... <laughs> Wait, we, Maine. So we 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 played at Portland. What was it? The Portland Theater or? Yeah. I, what was the name of it? Port City Music Hall. Yeah, it was just, it was, that was an awesome room. Yeah. I'm right. I'm 20 minutes from downtown. It's a good place to be at. But if you, if there's no shows here, cause that, that, that venue is wounded from COVID. I hope that it's back up the way that it needs to be. But they, the, the owner, like actually I think sold it. Like it was and then, not then good. You also played up in the Lupo, Lupo's, yeah. Heartbreak. Oh um, yeah. That, that place is awesome too. Lupo's. What, where is that? What downtown? That's here in town. No, I think that's in like that's Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Yeah. Rhode Island. Okay. I love that place. I My sister lives down there. Yeah, but yeah, we played a lot of places over there. 
Damn, man. It's just been, you know, an incredible journey and ride right now. You know what, though? My wife and I were talking about this the other day. Like, I know you're you're saying like the, you know, like you're not trying to like conquer the world or anything. But my wife and I, the other day, it's like we grew up and like, just like I was telling you, like I heard your record and I was like, damn, that's awesome. Like, like just like a fresh hard rock record, like just with like some of the the newer, newer records from a lot of those guys that you're talking about who are still putting records out. But we talk about it just being like, you know, like I, I get into a lot of newer music too, but sometimes you're just like, some of the music that you've listened to forever, you're like, I love that music, but I'm sick of listening to the same record that I've heard a million times. And you want that type of music to be a fresh release. So it's like, it's really refreshing hearing your record and hearing that vibe. Like, obviously you're writing newer, you're influenced by newer things since that point. But like, I got that like nostalgic feeling right away from listening to some of those records, like a little bit ago, you know, it's nice to see a fresh release in it. Thank you, man. It's definitely, uh, you know what? It was fun. Fun. Like, you know, like so many songs, you know, we demoed a while ago and they were just like in different forms and putting new stuff and new recordings to it. Like the song that we're doing right now, we, my vocal is from 2000, like five and the rest of it is recorded like two weeks ago. <laughs> no shit. The vocal on this record was recorded in 2005. What's that? The song that we're mixing tonight. It's going to be on the EP. No shit, huh? Thing that yeah. Rob produced demos. He got us a record deal, yeah. and it's actually the vocals from 2005 recorded at that point, and then you're recording the music. Oh, that's sick, man! That's so cool. That's interesting, when, when huh? You hear it, just think of that, and you'll be like, when you hear it, everything sounds brand new, and the vocals they held up. Damn, man! All right, I'm excited to hear that one too. Then, yeah, but look. So, what? What would what? All these guys in this room right here. Like all, all you guys have just been around doing this stuff. Like what would you give as advice? Like we have a lot of people we're called like the waking up from work show. So it's like getting out of doing shit that you don't like to do. Right. What would you give advice to like people who are starting in the industry right now or to, to, to do some of these things? Like what, what should people be thinking about right now? What's, well, I mean, what's some advice you give young artists right now? I think right now, like we definitely listen, Rob, Besides being like in, you know, this humongous band who's like, you know, been on tour with, I mean, he was a guitarist in Anthrax, right? But he's produced like, you know, the, the last, you know, three Volby records. He's produced like every, like the last, you know, like at least four Anthrax records. You've produced Cradle of Filth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And play drum. I make noise. That's basically and then, <laughs> It's all good noise, though, man. <laughs> we used to make fun of him. No Rob's from Berkeley, right? He went to Berkeley School of Music. He's scared. Okay. Boston, he represent. Was, oh, he, That's he, right. He's from here, but he, he went to school there. But everyone knows what Berkeley guys are. Like, they play every instrument, right? They play every <laughs> instrument amazing. So, but I never went to class. So. All right. That's, a really, really That's still a Berkeley guy. That's still yeah, a Berkeley still guy. Berkeley. <laughs> Definitely so, a Berkeley guy. I know this guy would record the band, and I, without a doubt, let me tell you, he probably went in there and played every instrument after the band left. Better than them. I said, "Yeah, that's you, man." I'm like, "No way! That's not them, dude. I know you did, dude." I'm like, "Why is he there till four in the morning? He's replaying everything and playing it himself." Oh my god! He's that. That's 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 how great a musician he is. He's a little bit of a perfectionist. Yeah, right. All right. He he was cutting a solo. I I went here. He started at one o'clock. I came here at five. He's still cutting the same solo. And then my, my my buddy Brian was here before me. 
He goes like, he's been playing the same solo since two o'clock. But I kept take number two. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you. Oh my god! This, this is going to be on a new Bobby record. Well, what's that producer story about like Michael Jackson recorded some vocal line for like 99 times or something and they took like the first one or something? Yeah, that's right. Awesome. That happens all the time. You yeah. know what? He, this guy produced a, a Bruce Springsteen Bruce vocal on, on, on a song. For, I love that story. So. For, for Jesse Mallon, right? Oh Our buddy Jesse Mallon, uh, Bruce Springsteen sang, sang on a song on this record. Okay. Well, let me tell the story, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> So Rob, I think, made him sing like the same line for like a hundred times. He, nah, tortured, okay. him. he tortured him. Jesse's like, Rob's tortured. Jesse called me up. Rob's torturing the, the boss right now. What's he doing? <laughs> he's like, he's, ma- he's doing this to all of us. He makes him sing the same line over and over. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't right at first. It's like, you know, it's like if you're, if you're going to have someone like that guessing on a record, Let's make it be you know, amazing. Uh, but, you know, it's like, one, but once he just needed to learn the part. Once he learned it, he nailed it. I mean, the guy's, you know, a legend, no? Best. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, what made you, what was it that you weren't getting that made you want to repeat that line that many times? Yeah, he just, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's got to be, got to be hard for an artist like that. You know, he's got such a strong identity, such a strong sound to come in on someone else's record and kind yeah. of, like, to that, you know what I mean. So he just needed to learn the part. It was, it was just simple as that, really. You know, right? Just lock in like his vibe for that that record is. Yeah, once extremely got, identifiable, extremely identifiable person. So it's you got to come into this record and you want to make sure it was right, but it's a different, probably different vibe. For yeah. Him. Once he got the part, he totally nailed it. it was magic. Yeah. Yeah. It always is. Always. <laughs> I mean. So. But yeah, yeah. you know, like I said, like. Rob's pretty much part so of the band. Versatile. He's like, you know, family. And, you know, we got, what we do is, you know, if we're not making fun of each other, then there's, then we're mad, then we're mad at each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to be. You need, you need the friction to create good art, right? Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, listen, you know, like, like I said, man, these, you know, when I was seriously that depressed, I mean, Rob would be calling my wife up, like, you know, and Nick and, and Dante, you know, they, they were my brothers. I called you right away. And, you know, they were, they were, you know, and you know what? Rob and Nick were there at that dinner when <laughs> Chester paid for everything. Two thousand something That was so surreal because it was such a great moment that whole night. You know, yeah. I, I couldn't even, like, when I heard the news, I was like, this you know what I mean? It was just like, it was Rob, crazy, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you sometimes you hear stuff like that and you know sometimes it turns out to be just you know, right. a rumor you know so yeah, I, I was, yeah, yeah. I was hoping that was the case with, so with was this. i yeah but yeah it's, it's unfortunate it sucks i mean we, we were basically us three we were there like the last time you know you know we were all together with chester at the same so, time you know what i'm saying and you know you know what at least we could say we had an incredible night that night i mean that was fun yeah we had a, a crew oh, of people great right you know, incredible time at least you have a memory that's like like that much of a high point. Like it sounded yeah. like just an unreal day and night to be part it, of. It was, it was an awesome, awesome, awesome night and day. Yeah, cool, man. Well, I I mean, is I I'm gonna probably let you guys go. There's usually like five questions I ask at the end, but I I really wanted to just ask you like what advice that you want to give to you know like young artists because you have such a room of talent there. It sounded like your point that you were making was like. 
if uh you know if you're working on your music like don't uh don't settle basically like yeah. these hundred take things like if if the part's not right like the things that separate separate people you know it's like if the part's not right or you don't have it yet then don't just send that shit out it's really easy to send music out right now it's so easy to distribute right now doesn't mean that you should be though and unless you put the time into it put the time into the solo even if it's the second take do it a hundred times so that you know the second takes right <laughs> anyways i mean i think the biggest thing is like being honest with yourself right treating people good treating people how you want to be treated yeah um and also not taking shit and and being you know and being true to yourself and what you what you love to do yeah so cool all right man well thank right. you thank you all for because i know it's kind of turned into a group thing thank you all for the time to be on the podcast and like share that with people i'll definitely be bumping your record tomorrow renee and nick thank you and um yeah if you guys are in uh boston or portland or even rhode island my sister's down there you. i'll come out i'll come out to a show i got your number bro when i get up there, i'll you up yeah, let me. If you guys are ever in Maine, I will, uh, I will hook you up with some lobster rolls or whatever crap you I want. Know, yeah. Let me know, man. I'm gonna twist my arm for that. I'll guide you through. <laughs> All right, my brother. Thank you. Thank cool. you. All right, thank you, gentlemen. Bye. Later. All right, guys. That's gonna do it for episode 105 of the Waking Up from Work podcast. Really appreciate you hanging out and listening to it. Next week, we have Max Schur on, who I had the opportunity to be on his podcast. And if you know me, I usually do this because I want to know more about them. I've got him coming on this week to talk about being a digital nomad. So he's just moving around the country and out of the country and working all online, which is super possible now. So thought it'd be an interesting topic to cover for people because that could be something that you want to be after. So that's up next week. And if you're enjoying what we're doing here, uh, we really, really would appreciate it if you go on, haven't done this in a while, go down and give us a review. That means the world to me. That helps a lot to help other people find this if you're getting value from it. If you want to see what I'm up to on other content and see video or little clips and things that have things that I'm up to to get different perspectives uh, we have a YouTube channel, Waking Up From Work Podcast. And right now, my wife and I are doing the Wake Up Property series, showing behind the scenes of our build, renovating a barn into a recording studio and renovating a home into an Airbnb, our home and artist living space. So that's my dream. And you can see behind the scenes of me getting crapped on by the renovation and everything that's going into figuring out finance, raising money, getting through struggles and everything like that there. or if you want to find me on Clubhouse, TikTok, Instagram, at Dave Wake Up, hit me up. Let me know what you're up to. Come chat with me. Come talk with me. And uh, I know that those are the same things, but it sounded cool. So thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll see you next week with Max. All right. Peace. Peace.